Slate Plus members get early access to our Downton Abbey spoiler specials this season, immediately following the broadcast on PBS. If you're not a Slate Plus member, try out this early access for the first three Downton spoilers. If you like it, sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash spoiler plus. Welcome. This is a Slate Plus spoiler special podcast about season five, episode two of Downton Abbey. I'm June Thomas and I'm here with Seth Stevenson. Hello, Blinky. Hello, June. I specifically said call me Shrimpy, <laughs> but I'll accept Blinky Hoppy. Okay, excellent. <laughs> Seth, I felt that episode two was a little bit of a snoozer. Yeah, I agree. I feel like we're just sort of moving the pieces along a bit in order to progress towards some sort of big dramatic moment that I feel certain is coming. I do too. Perhaps in the Christmas episode. (laughs) Yes. So what did we have happen or move along in this episode? We had a little bit further development in the war memorial question. Sides were taken. Yes. On one side, we had the people who felt that the war memorial should be a quiet pastoral retreat from the bustle of the town where one could be with one's thoughts and remember one's loved ones. Others felt that by putting the memorial in the center of the town, that people would be more likely to walk by it in their daily to and fro Mm -hmm. and, you know, it would be more convenient. And I feel like we've reached a decision where Carson has been won over by the sad tale of Mrs. Elsketh, who talked about her son walking by the cemetery and it was conveniently on his way and he could say hello to his departed father. So we're going to have the war memorial in the town. I confess, I could see it both ways. Carson was right. Every town has a little memorial in the center of the town, and there it is, and the pigeons roost on it, and everyone walks by it, and eventually people will forget what it's for, and it will sort of just be there, and then homeless people will sleep on it. And, you know, Carson may have a point, but it is true. I know in, you know, the sort of lore of memorials, the ones that are far away and hard to get to, maybe they provide a richer experience. Maybe it's worth it to go there and experience them, but they do get a lot less traffic. Well, yes, and as Mrs. Hughes said, That's all very well in the town, but they are in the beautiful Yorkshire countryside and there are opportunities for quiet contemplation just about everywhere. And really, did it have to be the cricket pitch? I mean, are you going to stand at silly mid-off and sort of have a little moment with, with the truly dearly departed fallen? I was with Mrs. Hughes and Lord G. I hate to be with Lord G because he is constantly... Always wrong. He's always wrong. When this was the one occasion where he was proven right, and I did, I almost resented him for being <laughs> right, and he didn't handle it well. The way no. he sort of looked at Carson, no. he was so pleased with himself when he was proven correct. Yeah. Well, and this also, though, was an opportunity for, you know, one thing that no one could accuse Downton of is subtlety. And we had a little bit of sort of foreshadowing or presentiment, once again, words often said about Downton Abbey, about... Carson and Mrs. Hughes, perhaps. Could be an item. Yeah. I think everyone, every Downton watcher, that's a couple that no one could possibly resent. Perhaps maybe the Dowager Countess will again <laughs> be the one to somehow stay in the way, find it improper, somehow right. Right. make fun of them. But yes, look at Mrs. Hughes blushing like a schoolgirl when Carson complimented her. They seem truly just 
at odds when they had different opinions. It seemed like everything was wrong with the world. Yes, it pained Mr. Carson, and it pained me equally. And that was, I will say, of season four, which let us let us mostly forget season four. But I will say one of the truly pleasing moments of season four was Carson and Hughes walking into the sea together, hand in hand. <laughs> yes. How cute that was. Well, we'll all hope for that mm-hmm. as the season develops. Do you think, how quickly do you think Downton will move in these matters, June? Is this something that will only coalesce in season eight? Or is this, <laughs> or will we come to, will we actually have this relationship come to fruition within season five, do you think? Will there be a kiss? I'm going to put you on the spot. Will there be a Carson Hughes kiss within the bounds of season five? Christmas special, father, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe Christmas special. As I said before, I do not watch Downton from Britain, but you can't help just hearing a few things on Twitter. Uh-oh, spoiler. I heard, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear No this. spoilers, because I heard nothing, not the slightest bit of reaction to the Christmas special. Thing. Maybe Downton fever has subsided in general. Is that possible? Or maybe, I don't know, maybe I didn't look at my timeline at the right time. But anyway, it just feels like a foolish thing for them to be separated. I mean, I know that Carson is very traditional and he would hate to let down the house by whatever is in his mind, but it just seems that they are so very well suited. I think that would be a fantastic Christmas episode. In fact, now that it's in my head, I'm really hoping, I'm shipping for Carson and Mrs. Hughes. (laughs) What's their portmanteau name? Cues? Cues? Carson? Neither. We'll work on that. Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll work on that. So the fact that Carson and Hughes are separated only by propriety of the times, this entire episode, everything was about how we can't say this or we mustn't say this. You mm-hmm. know, we've got Edith and her daughter Marigold, and geez, why can't she just be this girl's mom? But she can't because we just can't talk about it. We just can't have it be out in the open. You know, I was shocked because I guess I had forgotten what had come before, but that Robert and Cora apparently don't know. Yeah, I will admit I'm a little hazy on the particulars of this plot line, but I guess no one knows except Edith and the poor Mr. Gregson. And I guess, did she go away with her grandmama? Yes, she disappeared for a very noteworthy eight months, as the the downstairs (laughs) folks put it. She disappeared for eight months. What about that number? Somehow Uh, suggests something to me. mm -hmm. And then came back, and then there was a new little girl of unknown parentage in the town. Hmm. Yes, well, it's lovely to see her with Marigold and take an interest in the girls, her godmother. I do feel like this cannot be sustained like this. Uh, No, I mean, the whole question of the dollhouse and, and Edith losing interest it's again it bothers me that people are so down on Edith but I must say I do just personally feel just the trickiness of that situation because Marigold will be betwixt and between she'll be in that same uncomfortable position of Tom Branston of you know maybe having spent time at the house with Edith's niece and nephew and she won't be quite the same as the other kids in the the family the other kids will be like oh you fancy huh yeah Edith will support her and let her go to the grammar school, perhaps, but then her siblings won't get to go. And so it's, it does seem a little doomed. But on the other hand, it is also an opportunity for young Marigold. And then the other thing that we can't talk about is birth control. We, we have to send our lady's maid on this sort of spy mission to, yes. to retrieve birth control for us. Yes. Which, again, how sad for Mary that she just can't go by a diaphragm. I mean, again, though, she never does anything for herself. So the idea that she knows that it's awkward and she just doesn't she, really mind putting Anna in that position. She just it on she Anna. That, that, was, that was, I did not like Lady Mary in that moment. Yeah. She just is so comfortable just saying, oh, you go do this horribly awkward thing so I don't right. have to do it because I can't be recognized. Right. But you, of course, You're a married woman with a living husband. And you're of the lower class. Right. 
Yeah, I did not like Lady Mary in that moment. And what do we think of Lord Gillingham now that we've had a little more time to see he and Mary together in romantic Liverpool, oh, where any couple would love to go in order to consummate their relationship? Where else? Where could you think of uh, a more heightened locale? As a native Mancunian, and clearly there is a little bit of a rivalry with Liverpool and also, let's face it, with Yorkshire. But anyway, that's to be expected. Of all the places in all the world, if you can get romantic and dewy-eyed about someone in Liverpool, you can do it anywhere. I'm booking a flight tomorrow. That sounds like a challenge. <laughs> challenge accepted. <laughs> going to find a nice lady and take her to Liverpool right now. I was very curious because I very much like the actor who played Mary's other suitor. I can't Mr. remember. Mr. Blake? Mr. Blake. I like Mr. Blake as well. And do we feel that Mr. Blake might have a point... That the lithe and supple Lord Gillingham is not up to Mary's mental standard. I am always very keen for couples to be equally on the same intellectual level. But that was the first time that it had been suggested to me that perhaps Tony wasn't completely right. smart. There's never been a suggestion he's a dim ball, no. right? But no, no, maybe no. Mr. Blake is of such elevated intellect that he, you know, right. from that lofty plane, he looks down upon right. the lithe and supple Lord Gillingham. <laughs> I found it interesting to see. So here's Mary deciding that hey, maybe it's important for me to explore the physical side of this relationship before I get married to see if that's all in working order, as it were. And she's sort of putting the sex before the cart. And it made me think, well, wait a second. Maybe they had courtship right back then, you know, because her whole point to Anna is, well, we're going to be spending all this time together in small rooms. We're no longer going to be separated by the space of a great hall and the presence of all these interloping servants Mm -hmm. and such. We're going to be in each other's faces. So we really need to like each other. True, true. (laughs) Yeah, very good point. But I feel like the courtship of the day, in some ways, did prepare you for that because you have to spend hours in the drawing room just talking to someone, battling through the sheer boredom of the situation, which is what you're going to be dealing with in year 38 of the marriage. Maybe, you know, she's got it all wrong. Mary, go back. There's still time. (laughs) Turn around, Mary. Turn around. Liverpool is not where you want to. (laughs) Like everybody, leave Liverpool. Liverpool is her Waterloo. (laughs) One of the many things... Pretty much everything, as we've said, that Robert, Lord Grantham, was wrong about was his opposition to the wireless. And for all the lack of subtlety in this show, the very sort of self-aware dissing of idiot boxes that prattle to us from afar and distract us from life itself seemed particularly heavy-handed and on the nose. You mean like me watching television every night for several hours and being transported in a sort of fit of joy. Is that what he is dissing? Ha ha ha. What a subtle and knowing condemnation (laughs) of our current media-saturated culture. Are you, listener, do you resent June and I, or rather Hoppy and I, burbling at you through this newfangled device that you're listening to right now? What else could you be doing, listener? I mean, I think this is partly just we love to see Lord Grantham being wrong, I guess. We just adore it when Lord Grantham is horribly wrong and when he articulates precisely on the nose what was so wrong about the assumptions of the day. And, you know, it was nice to see Rose being the impetus for the modernization of Gus. I think Rose is in some ways providing one of the few sort of sparks of life in the house these days. Amen. Everyone is sort of like fallen into these ruts. They do the same things over and over mm-hmm. again. Don't they, they all need to go to therapy to figure out their ruts and figure out why they're making the same mistakes over and over again. But, but here's Rose living life in the moment, exploring new realms via the wireless. Right. You uh, as a subject, June. Well, no, you're not a subject anymore. Oh, I am. I'm still a subject. Yeah. You're still a subject. I still have the... Okay, so as a subject of the royals, how did you feel about this idea that the royals were being made more tangible somehow, being brought low by the wireless, made to be more just a man rather than a king? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that was another bit of on the nosiness. I mean, okay, the British royal family may not be, you know, bicycle and, uh, you know, going down the shops like some of the Scandinavians, but there is this peculiar tendency to act like they are just an ordinary family when that's the last thing they are. So that just felt like a little bit of, um, you know, editorialising. I don't know. I mean, it's true that in many ways the royal family is as close as we have to the people in Downton Abbey, to, you know, Lord Grantham and Lady Grantham and the Dowager Countess. They do, many people would still, you know, say that the royal family still holds those views. And, you know, it seems crazy, right? They still live that way, although... Prince William and Kate Middleton were on my street <gasps> just like a month ago, right? When they or a few weeks the, ago when uh, they went to the Nets game at the uh-huh. Barclays Center right uh-huh. across the street from my house. And there they were. And he was sitting there in like a, a, like a just like a plaid button-down shirt that I would wear. He was wearing. And I was like, wow. They're, I mean, they are sitting next to Jay-Z and Beyonce in, in courtside seats that cost $12,000 a game. But, but nonetheless, they looked pretty normal there. I challenge that because Kate Middleton's hair – it's so magnificent that there's nothing normal about that. That is that is royal hair right there. She might be a commoner, but she got some royal hair. Point taken, June. Mm. I feel much as Mrs. Hughes swayed Mr. Carson <laughs> on this point. No, Seth, I don't know about you, but I felt my heart sink when that policeman showed up and it turned out that he was once again reviving the case of Mr. Bates and Mr. Green. Not because I have any concerns for the welfare of Mr. Bates, but just because this is the most boring story that just brings the series down and has done so now for about 79 seasons of Downton Abbey. And I finally thought we were rid of that stupid story, but no. Mr. Bates in peril. Yeah, oh. It's so boring. Every time it comes back to life, it's just the most grim, bleak scenes of like him in prison and these like sepia-toned shots. You know what? The only good that can come of this, June, is that Mr. Bates is finally hanged, <laughs> killed, dead, By the neck. And we never have to deal with this again. You know, and I know that there are the Bates and Anna shippers and that he cut a bit of a romantic figure, I guess, in season one, battling through his leg deformity right. and, and, his wall wounds. and winning the hand of Anna in an unlikely romantic gesture. But, geez, enough with this guy. He's such a martyr. I'm yeah. sick of it. Let's just get rid of that entire storyline. I would rather swap out that storyline and spend more time with Isabel and Lord Merton and the Dowager Countess, who is the worst third wheel <laughs> in the history of third wheels. Sitting at the table with them as they're sort of on a date and the Dowager Countess just <laughs> being a nightmare for all involved. But she did provide what was this week's, in my opinion, the best vintage burn this week's episode, which was when she referred to Lord Merton as frisking around Isabel's skirts, <laughs> which, again, I will incorporate into all my conversations from here out. Please do. I, I so look forward to your enhanced vocabulary. Thanks to Downton. <laughs> well, June, until next week. Until next week. Hoppy. Hoppy.